Welcome to Jaipur Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshtata. What you're about to hear is part of the Voices of Faith series for JLF Brave New Worlds, presented by the Kamini and Vindi Banga Family Trust. Ram Charit Manas, then and now, Pavan K. Verma and Philip A. Lutkendorf in conversation with Harish Trivedi. Morning, Philip. It seems that it is 7:30 for you. 7:30 in the morning in Iowa, where you are, and Pawan Eight. with me in Delhi. So it's good evening around 7:30, 7:40 here. We are united, of course, by what Corona has brought to us. This virtual platform, one after the other, maybe one of the blessings in disguise of this new age. <clears throat> We are here to talk about Ramcharit Manas. first published in 1574 naumi bhomavair madhumasa avadpuri yah charit prakasa as tulsidas says at the beginning of the ramcharit manas has been with us for about 450 years and we are going to talk about the book then the book in the four centuries in between and the book now and the immediate occasion for us to come together this evening is the publication of a new book uh not so much well on and off the ramcharit manas by pavan pavan verma the greatest ode to ram is called ode in the title in the introduction of the blurb is called the lyrical outpouring and of course it's an epic <laughs> so it is perhaps three descriptions of the same poem and all of which Uh, about this poem and its english translation one thing to notice is that there is not only a single solo making a summer in the uh, in the example that pavan has said there happens to be a series or a number of translations coming out of the ramcharit manas Our other guest today, Philip Ludgendorf, is currently engaged in translating the whole of the Ram Charitamanas in several volumes. Uh, earlier this year, he had reached uh, Lanka Kant, and he has the Lanka Kant and Duttar Kant to go. And he told us in the introduction and even before that that <laughs> in a lecture that his is the tenth translation into English of. the complete text of the ramcharitamanas and as it happens we'll uh, talk to him about that as well and as it happens there is another selection coming out of the ramcharitamanas in english translation to be published shortly in delhi here in india done by rupert snell who taught hindi at the university of london and then at the university of texas at austin called reading ramcharitamanas again with the facing page text and copious footnotes explaining the nuances of the text so pavan is very much in good company this seems to be the moment for more translations more renderings into english of the great poem ramcharit manas the first thing to 
find out from Pavan is uh, what was the project that you had in mind when you began this work? How did you visualize his purpose? Who is your intended reader? And uh, would you say that there is a politics to presenting the Ram Charit Manas again at this moment? Well, thank okay. you, Arish. And uh, let me say I feel very dwarfed in the company of two literary giants, Harish yourself and Philip. So uh, my task becomes both easier and more difficult trying to match your sheer erudition. But nevertheless, it's such a great pleasure. Why did I take up this project? Uh, I have noticed, uh, Harishji, that uh, there is a new curiosity, a desire among people to try and know a little more about the culture and philosophy, the spirituality and metaphysics, the creativity of uh, parts of our historical legacy. Uh, I was surprised when my earlier book, just before this on Adi Shankaracharya, Hinduism's Greatest Thinker, it's a fairly uh, abstruse subject in the sense it deals with philosophy. When it was published, uh, I was quite surprised uh, at the response to it when young people told me how much they wanted to know more of the subject and enjoyed the book. It's not a piece of fiction. It's a lot about philosophy and its nuances. And uh, there was a craving to fill a gap somewhere in terms of knowledge. I mean, people didn't know who is Adi Shankaracharya, when he was born, what he wrote, what uh, the six systems of Hindu philosophy, etc. And similarly with the, with the Ramcharit Manas, although like Philip, I have uh, not done the kind of research he has on the text and on uh, uh, Tulsi Das's writing. We have grown up. I, I, you have a connection with Allahabad. I have a connection with Allahabad. Mm -hmm. And literally, we have grown up with the Ram Charit Manas. My mother, who spoke incidentally the Queen's English, but also knew the Ram Charit Manas unko kantasthi, by heart almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the tradition at home. Uh, my aunt used to read the Sundarkand almost every evening. My name was uh, given by my uncle because I was born on Choti Diwali and he says Pranav Pavana Kumar. <laughs> and that was how I was given my name. So neither I. I mean, one of the things we have gone through, Philip, is... Uh, uh, St. Columbus, St. Xavier, St. Stephens, that none of us were really as dynamically in touch with the sources of our own cultural background as we needed to be. <laughs> that is why my first book, if I may mention, was a biography of Mirza Ghalib, because that also I grew up with. And so uh, this whole uh, tradition of Urdu poetry and of Ghalib fascinated me and the times in which he lived in, so I researched it. Similarly, in this case, I found that while earlier people routinely had akhand parts of the Ramcharitma, mm -hmm. children sat down, listened to it. Now, increasingly, the modern generation, especially with the scattered anonymity of the city, don't have the time to go through the epic as a whole. 
and yet it consists of some of the most beautiful lyrical powerful relevant contextual indian rooted poetry and therefore i thought that can i present it to the reader the ordinary reader uh, let us say the vast middle class because you know people below it have probably uh, memorized large parts of it anyway uh to present them selections from it of lines which i have found very beautiful with a mm. with a translation in both english and hindi because invariably there's an english reader also of these texts and to also provide a short commentary to the stanzas or passages i selected so that people know the context the background uh, of each of them uh, in terms of extra knowledge that was the purpose now whether there's a political purpose i remember one one of your reviews uh, one of the review you wrote of my book uh, harish yeah. you seem to discern either a political purpose or the fact that i, I did not rise sufficiently to the occasion to counter <laughs> what you consider to be uh, in fact my answer to you is uh, there is no particular political reason why i would write this yeah. now i am neither from the bjp uh, nor do i support some of its extremist policies however i see nothing wrong in knowing more about our culture and civilization and literature and especially a classic like ramcharitmanas and one of the only and perhaps the best antidote to religious extremism is to know more about your culture yeah we are hijacked because we don't know now mm-hmm. for instance even in the case of ram rajya when i say to a fellow interlocutor sabnar karahi paraspar preeti i mean that's one where everyone loves each other i can quote something from the ramcharit manas to back up my point of view rather than allow people who are otherwise ignorant mm-hmm. but their aggression is in direct correspondence to their ignorance mm-hmm. so you need to counter them and well, absolutely I'm... right yeah absolutely right pavan in fact when i said uh, was there a, a kind of politics in your mind you know everything is politics whether one supports the bjp is politics whether one does not that is the politics of its own kind we are all politically situated in the largest sense of politics and therefore whatever the political complexion or one's understanding of this great text one is still being political in putting forward a book which is so controversial and increasingly so just because ram is controversial because the hero has become controversial therefore the book has become controversial uh, i'll ask you next right now we'll go to uh, philip i'll ask you next about the principle on which you made the selection because if there is a political act even in a non political book completely non political book is the act of selection and while the 44 passages and extracts that you have uh, selected and translated and offered a commentary on very incisive commentary very often i was surprised that a passage that's very dear to me in the context of 1992 babri masjid and the whole uh, explosion of a particular kind of discussion of and topicality of ram uh, i miss that and that is ravana rathi virath raghuvira dekh bibhishan bhayo adhira the chariot the ram rath that was launched in 91 i think 
the mm. answer to that lies in the ramcharit manas that mm. that physical rath is not what obtains victory it is the metaphorical rath of virtues as ram tells vibhishan that obtains the victory that so is that never to be there in my selection it is there in your selection oh yeah, how wonderful exactly. how wonderful is one of the 44 yeah we'll come to it we'll come to it uh, philip you are have decided to translate the whole of the ramcharit manas you were at ramnagar for a long time watching the month long ramleela you wrote a book on it the life with the text philip pavan uh, <laughs> remembers a review that i wrote long back which i don't you might remember a review that i wrote of that book long back the review never forgets i find <laughs> the review may forget but the but the review does not now you are translating the whole of the manas for murti classical library that grand project headed by sheldon pollock published by the harvard university press surely your project is different your purpose is different and your assumed reader is different too yeah. uh, how would you how would you visualize that Yeah well let me let me say first of all because you you said that uh, I'm doing the 10th uh, translation actually now it's become the 11th because uh Rohini Rohini Chaudhary published a three volume oh. translation with Penguin India last year right um and uh so I'm I'm now the 11th which I actually think is kind of uh, auspicious you know mm-hmm. Hanumanji is the 11th rudra right so I'm I'm hoping for some uh ashirvad that way um but uh yes uh this translation also one other thing um my translation hopefully will be complete in 2023 uh that is volume 7 volume 6 is supposed to come out that's lanka kand is supposed to come out in 2022 and uh volume 7 uh uttarakhand in um 2023 which happily is the 400th anniversary of the of the passing the physical death of tulsidas traditional date uh 1623 and and then 6 and then 2024 will be the 450th uh, anniversary of the uh, prakatya you know the revealing of the manas as you mentioned so anyway we 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 do have a lot of kind of timely ramayana connected uh, things going on right now besides other issues that you raised um what i um had in mind in the translation i was approached by uh Professor Pollock uh from the Morty series and asked to do it. And um you know the Morty series in general is trying to um to bring out works that have not been translated before into English or or hardly. Um so the Manas is an exception because it's a much translated pre-modern uh classic. And initially I I balked at the idea and I said you know why don't you use one of the existing translations but they they felt that because of the great importance of this text they wanted it to be represented in the series uh early on um and the first murti books came out in 2015 and uh 2016 were Hello I think we've lost so Philip. Oh, I took it it's back. 
Philip, we lost you momentarily. Okay, am I back? Yeah, you're back. Can you hear? Can you hear me now? I apologize. My bandwidth is not great. Yeah. yeah. What I wanted to ask you specifically was, obviously, the reader that Harvard University Press and the Murthy Library have in mind is not the reader primarily in India, or is it? Well, it is, actually. The books come out both in the U.S. and in India, and the Indian edition, as you know, is very beautiful and uh, very good quality and also very re reasonably priced. And that's part of the objective of Rohan Murthy, who is the patron of the series. Are you in any uh, he, way addressing the present moment of the discourse? Well, I think, I think the series is, and I am yeah. certainly trying to as well. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Rohanji uh, got exposed to the classics of Indian literature at Harvard mm -hmm. while doing a PhD in computer science and taking some extra elective classes and, and discovered this uh, fantastic tradition of literature and philosophy that he had not been exposed to growing up in elite uh, English medium schools in India. And so the series, I think, That's especially the, kind of the, the like Indian Rohit. edition is aimed at people like who've Rohit. had an English yeah. medium yeah. education, yeah. But, but they can hopefully read uh, you know, the relevant uh, script, in this case, Devanagari. That's right. And you have a they can look patient, at the, yeah, yeah, the side by tricks. side. Yeah. And uh, Pavan has not only the Devanagari on top, but also a transcription into Roman script. Mm -hmm. And then the translation into English followed at the end of each section by a commentary. So Pavan, going back to you, um, if the Ratha is there, that's utterly wonderful. That is one of the key points to discuss here. Maybe I can mention one. I mean, 44 extracts is not enough. You could have chosen 440 and had a difficult time finding a publisher, perhaps. But were there any passages that you were keen to put in, except that there were too many of those? I would say that, you know, two passages that, again, uh, present a different aspect of... Uh, Tulsidas, one is the Manthara speech to Kaikeyi, mm -hmm. which is as deeply psychological as for an, for an Anglophone reader, let me say as deeply psychological as anything in Shakespeare. Let me pay the ultimate compliment there. And the, then the humorous passages like the Lakshman Parashuram Sambhad or the Anga the Ramana Sambhad, because as you say, mm -hmm. divinity needs to be humanized. And humor is one of the great ways of, humani of humanizing divinity. But one passage that you have at great length, which I really admired, I think is the poetic highlight of the whole uh, epic, for me at least, is, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's love at first sight or it's something at first sight between Rama and Sita. <laughs> you have in your commentary too uh, offered a wonderfully delicate and nuanced exposition of that passage. Uh, how do love and duty coexist in the ideal, the Mariyadha Purushottam Ram, as depicted by Tulsi? Well, actually, I believe that uh, first of all, on the selection, all selections are by definition selective. So <laughs> I chose passages. <laughs> Tulsi, the Ramcharit Manas has so many beautiful passages. But first, let me say, I chose to a great extent dialogues. 
Hmm. I want to emphasize the fact that in Hinduism, uh, the dialogue is important, not the fiat. Hmm. Uh, and as I've mentioned in the series before and in other lectures, uh, most of the evolution of Hinduism and the establishment of its foundational principles and worldview have happened through intellectual dialogue. The Upanishads are a dialogue. The three foundational texts, the Brahma Sutra are a dialogue to the extent that the text puts in the viewpoint of the ideological opponent before rebutting it or, or uh, agreeing with it. And the Bhagavad Gita is a dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna. And so the Ramcharit Manas is replete with dialogues. And I, mm -hmm. and I wanted to include, uh, include them uh, in, in, the, in the selection. Uh, now, as regards love and duty. Now, this is very interesting because Tulsi Das could not write, no writer with the kind of depth and rootedness in our the Hindu philosophical tradition can write without the larger knowledge of many of the principles of Hinduism. The four Purushars in Hinduism are Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. And uh, so in a sense, uh, there is both, of course, philosophical validity for Dharma, but equally for material well-being, Earth and equally for the pursuit of the physical or the legitimacy of the sensual. And in our tradition, at least the way I have understood it and I have written extensively on it recently, there is no clash between the two because even Vatsyayan in the first chapter of the Kama Sutra responds to an imaginary interlocutor who asks him why the book by saying yep. these are the four parishads, the first three dharma, earth and kam, if pursued in proportion and not in exclusion, leave, auto, lead automatically to moksha. Maryada Purushottam Ram <laughs> is not flamboyantly a lover as Krishna is. He is Lila Purushottam. And Maryada Purushottam Ram cannot frolic in the groves of Vrindavan as described in the Bhagavad, the Vishnu Puran, uh, Puran and other texts. However, Maryada Purushottam Ram Tulsidas takes a lot of pains to see that his human traits in his human avatar also come out. And one of these comes out most beautifully at the time of his birth. When he is in his regalia as divinity and his mother says, Become a child. Yes, param anupa, and 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 you know, and and the Lord immediately complies to become human. And similarly, in the romance of Ram and Sita, it's extremely nuanced. Here, there are no passages like that in the Bhagavad Puran about the Ras Lila, which are frankly, if not sensual, erotic, or Jaydev's Geet Govind. This is about a conventional marriage and within that framework, two people falling in love uh, and expressing their emotions not directly but indirectly. Uh, uh, as you know, in the lines that I have put down. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, that, that, that is fascinating. Yeah. If I may interrupt, you mentioned uh, the Kama Sutra. 
And I find that in your commentary on this passage, you again mention the Kama Sutra. And you say that Rama and Sita first meet in a garden, which is the kind of venue, pleasant venue recommended by, uh, by Vatsyayan in the Kama Sutra for a lover's tryst. Now, lover's tryst is going a bit too far, isn't it, for the first meeting between them? I don't think it was intended as a lover's no, tryst. No, no. She was there. Yeah. And the two brothers were there. That's right. And then they meet, but don't exchange a word. That's right. And, and that is the beauty of the description of the romance. They fall in love, literally in the modern parlance at first sight, but there's not an exchange of words. There is both the description of pent-up passion and the remarkable silence of restraint as was dictated by social custom and usage. And Tulsidas doesn't mince words. After the Jamal, when both of them appear, he says it is as though Kam himself has created this divine jodi. Well, well, I think he does mince a few words given our contemporary 21st century standards. Philip, you've also had a chance to look at Pavan's book. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your impressions of uh, what he's doing in that? Well, I, I assume, um, first of all, I, I very much liked what you said, Pavanji, about um, the fact that, you know, many people today talk about the Ramayana, but they don't actually know it very well. Uh, they don't read it. They're not really familiar with it. Maybe they've seen the television serial or, or read a comic book or something like that. And so I applaud your, your wish to, uh, again, present the text and present some of your favorite passages from it, which I think everybody has, you know, who's familiar with it. And uh, that's, that's what you've done. And they're, they're you know, it's a very nice uh, group of selections. So I, I, I don't uh, yep. have more I to say about like that. I also like the fact, uh, you know, about the uh, reader, the reader hmm. of the Ramcharit Manas in English. I think that is a kind of addressivity that one does not often face and negotiate in translating most books. Hmm. Because for 400 years, it's not been only a supreme work of poetry, which is what I value it for personally, most of all. I think my personal opinion for what it is worth is that Tulsidas is worth more than the, all the other major bhakti poets put together, which is Kabir and Sur and Meera. What Tulsidas does is absolutely, they are all great poets. They are the four great poets of our period. But what does Tulsidas not do that they do, especially if you go outside the Ramcharitmanas to his other... Uh, to his other great uh, works as well. But Harish, could, I, could, could yeah. I interject something? Uh, uh, I, those are strong words that you've put forward there and uh, not everyone may agree with them. But um, going something else that Pavanji just said that really struck me is about the dialogue nature yeah. of the Manas. And of course, the Manas isn't just a dialogue, it's four dialogues, yeah. right? Ghat Manoharachari, right? There's, there's four different samvads going on all the time. And, um, and, I, and Tulsidas, you know, he never refers to the Manas as a book. He uses the word granth, but never in relation to his his text, his text is a katha. 
And a kata is always dialogical. You always have a, a vakta and a shrota. You always have a speaker and a listener. And they're both very important. And uh, so that really resonated with me because, you know, my first book is all about the performance four, uh, yeah. of the manas and, and how... Four frames, four frames and narrators. Frames. Yes. Four different frames in which the story is narrated. Yeah. And of course, we'll see it so on. And what that says, what that says is that there isn't a single point of view. There isn't a yeah. single drishtikon or darshan. The, the manas has multiple points of view that it, that it gives us sure. and gives us license yeah. to have our own point of view. Pavan, yeah. uh, about what you explain, what you offer by way of your commentary to the contemporary reader, I think that's fascinating. At the end, you do not offer a commentary after each verse. You offer a commentary at the end of each extract so that you can offer some general views on the whole thing rather than go textually. You have a broader sense of what to say on those. Uh, and I was very interested in the kind of assumptions that one has about the implied reader, about the intended reader. For example, you do very well to explain who Kaghushundi is and to give his backstory and his importance in it. At the same time, you also say Girija, when Sita goes to worship Girija, uh, yeah. And I like the fact that you translate Jay is glory to, not hail or something. Glory to is very apt, I think. Now, you also say in your commentary that Girija is another name for Parvati. Now, we have, I think, come to a stage where an Anglophone reader within India also needs to be told that. That is what I meant by how the work that translators do and commentators is determined by their idea of who it is for. The biggest readership for any version of the Rama story in English that has been achieved in India is, of course, Amish Tripathi, in which Sita is the foreign minister of Mithila and is kind of about to sign a treaty with Ram before marrying him. <laughs> now, what kind? Is, that's not the kind of reader you are aiming at, or are you? No, no. You see, the I, I, there is no, no complete definition of yeah. the reader, which yeah. is which also explains <laughs> eclecticism of my hmm. selection. Hmm. While I try to take the chief uh, events in the narrative of an epic, uh, I also bring in things like his wonderful description of the monsoons. Yeah. Uh, or the coming of water, yeah. uh, post the rains, or the journey of calm to Shiva as described by Tulsidas, and many other such passages. I try to bring in nuggets of wisdom from the Manas to illustrate uh, also the, 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 the kind of uh, sheer uh, earthiness of the epic and the, and, the, and the pinnacles of sheer loftiness of thought. I mean, you know, the philosophy, the whole Nirgun, Sagun, that fascinated me. And about uh, Girija Parvati, you see, ultimately, this is a selection and a commentary. You can never understand the full panorama or panorama of what the Devi means, irrespective of the name you give. It can be Uma, Parvati, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Kali. 
the whole notion of the feminine principle in Hindu metaphysics, philosophy, spirituality, and practice religion. You have to know that background. The whole notion of Ardhanaresh uh, and, and of Shakti and of Prakriti. Now that, and I, it was not the intent in this book to provide uh, uh, you know, a detailed notion. But there is something I want to describe in that, that having seen Ram and knowing of the great uh, challenge that lies before him, before he, she can be united with him, she goes back to the temple <laughs> to pray again. And it mm -hmm. also bridges the schism, so-called, between Vaishnavism and uh, the Shev school, which, of course, Tulsidas brings out repeatedly, you know, Shiva praises Ram, Ram praises Shiva, and that's fine. But here is a young lady, stroke girl, who has fallen in love and who goes to Girja, and it is one of the most moving hymn to the concept of the Devi. The lines, you know, the description. Nahitav adi madhi avasana amita prabhava beda nahi jana. Bhava bhava vibhava parabhava karani. You know, visva mohini. Visva mohini swabasa biharani. That is the notion of the independent, autonomous, yes, conjoined and a consort to a male god. But Essentially, as the 6th century book Devi Matmya says, sometimes even above the male god. That is the notion of, I don't think any other religion, and Philip can correct me, gives us such a role. And by the way, that contrasts with the way we have gender discrimination following the 2nd century CE. Uh, not before that, if I may argue. Yeah, even though that is taken as a norm, it was not there before. And I've discussed this in some detail in the earlier session. But after the second century CE, with the emergence of the Dharmshastra and the Manusmriti, there was a, a great deal of subjugation of women. But at the level of concept, Sitaji and the notion of the Devi, in general in Hinduism, has no parallel in any other religion. We are perhaps coming to towards the conclusion, if not to the conclusion. And one thing that is, I think the modern will be very much in the front of modern reader's mind will be what you very nicely juxtaposed, Pavan, towards the end of your selection as Tulsi's description of uh, Ramiraj and his description of Kali Yuga. They make such a fine contrast. I think that is where the values of that epic are embodied finally in the Saminga. That Satyug is the ideal state. It's not Satyug, it's Ramraji in Treta Yuga. Sat, not Satyug has already gone. And you know, so, just yeah. may I say, may yeah. say one yeah. thing yeah. Sure. Sure. very quickly. You mm -hmm. see, the answer to shallow mm -hmm. or misinterpreted renderings of the concept of Mariada Purushottam Sri Ram is not to ram in the opposite point of view because then you reduce yourself to that level of that dialogue. Hmm. 
but to bring in knowledge about what was the conception of maryada purushottam ram for instance to the critique and that's why i refer to your review which you may have forgotten but a writer always remembers the many things <laughs> many aspects of which his book has been discussed and remembers it with respect yeah uh that's why i, I when i say a, when i use a line like par hit saris dharam nahi bhai par peeda sam nahi atmai as an answer to the weaponization of shri ram you cannot find two better lines ascribed to shri ram himself as he explains it to lakshman right right absolutely now you know it seems to me that the bottom line question about an old text a religious text a scriptural text in the modern age when we render it again is what is it advocating is true that many of our values are conditioned by the times we live in we cannot expect tulsidas to have been a modern 21st century man all that is absolutely true and given at the same time now given a different kind of social consciousness uh, you describe how the kaliyug in tulsidas's description is a kind of erosion or decline in many ways you know it is a decline of the social order being disrupted is poetry declining learning declining the only learned man being he who indulges in self promotion that's a beautiful line for our times <laughs> that the economy collapses that uh, uh, brahmins are disobeyed and there is erosion of ethics now two things that may come up are tulsidas's almost complete endorsement of the varna vyavastha the brahmana and shudra hierarchy he even says repeatedly that mahisura that brahmins are devatas on this earth mahisura bhusura that's the word for them repeatedly and about women as many people have pointed out yes sita of course is the glorious ideal but about women in general there are many speeches by different characters some including by ram which uh, are not really do not really place them on the level with men and who say that there are certain inbuilt faults that always reside in their hearts abaguna aath sada urahin eight faults eight defects now this is i think this will be the agni pariksha for a modern reader of a text like ramcharitmanas he will not go for the poetry so much many of them i hope some will even in translation but the, again as i say the politics of uh, the values being projected so I, I cannot, yeah what would you say to that you see uh, the manas is written by a human being hmm. and the human being belongs has a contextual aspect to him he is a brahman and the varna vyavastha is quite established mm-hmm. it's the question that i am often asked about adi shankaracharya that was he against the caste system i can quote lines by which he is but was he a social reformer i don't think so his pro- overwhelming preoccupation was with philosophy and metaphysics and the advait school of thought as part of which there are instances in which he protests against the caste system could he change it no he couldn't like mahatma gandhi has been the biggest apostle of peace the world has seen 
for centuries. Has violence ended? No, it hasn't. But at the same time, he made the effort. So similarly with Tulsidas, I have no reservations in my mind that he represented a certain contextual background to his life, which had many redeeming features, even on the caste system. His meeting with Shabri, Jati Pati Kul Dharma Badai. He says, Jati Pati Kul Dharma Badai, what do they mean unless you have the bhakti, the sense to surrender, to be to be humble, to have humility in the in the face of uh, of uh, uh, worship. So anyway, there are many passages I can quote. At the same time, it is true that there are passages ascribed to the Ramcharitmanas uh, where there is a preference shown for uh, the Brahmins. Now, Tulsidas yeah. happened to belong to that class. Now, I asked the modern reader, and I'd, I'd like Philip's comment on that. I asked the modern reader to read some of our classics. Not in an absolutely judgmental way, jet, I mean, using the yardstick of contemporary mm -hmm. uh, uh, notions of right and wrong, mm -hmm. but to see them in the context in which they are written. And unless there are no redeeming features in terms of what they consider absolutely non-negotiable, I would expect them to show this kind of perspective to a classic like this, even right. when women are concerned. His is owed to Sita. I'd I like mean, a chance to. We want to, to be. Uh, yeah, we want to be liberal, uh, not only generally but also to Tulsidas. I find Pavan. I find Pavan that you say he can be forgiven for his lack of progressive views, uh, Philip. Harishti, I'd like a chance to respond to absolutely, this point absolutely. as well, yes. because I've, I've been thinking about it. Papan has already um, invited you to respond. So yes. I think every, uh, every great work of literature and certainly every great spiritual classic has both a historical and a trans-historical dimension. And as Pavan has rightly said, we have to see uh, the Ramcharitmanas in the context of its time, late 16th century. Um, and Tulsidas in many ways is a man of the time. Right? But he is also a person who transcends the time and whose literary greatness transcends it. Yesterday, uh, through the, the miracle of the internet and uh, the circumstances of COVID, I uh, watched a Royal Shakespeare Company production of The Tempest. You, you mentioned Shakespeare earlier, uh, Harish Bhai. Um, and uh, I, then I took part in a discussion of it with um, an English professor here at the University uh, of Iowa and several graduate students. And I mean, you know, this is, and this is a play that has really fascinated me for, for years. And, um, you know, it's a play that has on the one hand, some extraordinary uh, psychological and philosophical depth. And you have Prospero's amazing, almost uh, Vedantic speech. Uh, you know, we are such stuff as dreams are made on. Right, and our little life is rounded by a sleep. But at the same time, I don't think anybody can read um, or watch a production of The Tempest today without thinking about Caliban and the fact that uh, the idea that he seemingly um, represents the, the large portion of the world that the English and other European powers were engaged in um, 
colonizing and enslaving at that time, at the time that Shakespeare wrote. And of course, by the way, that's also Tulsidas's time. Shakespeare and Tulsidas are, are contemporaries, almost exact contemporaries. Yeah. So, um, so that I mean, that's a that's an example. And uh, Pavan has earlier cited one of my favorite lines, which is "Parahitasarasadharamanahimpai." which, you know, is basically the golden rule uh, that we find in, in so many religious traditions. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, about, yeah. Yeah, about Shakespeare, you know, that mm. is the obvious parallel. That's the obvious mm. comparison. William Jones said that Kalidasa was the Shakespeare of India and all their attention <laughs> has been focused on Kalidasa. I think the contemporaries, Kalidasa, mm. uh, sorry, Shakespeare and Tulsidas, Mm. Shakespeare also has, of course, he was a dramatist, so we can say some character says it, and he does not say it, but he also has a number of very choice things to say about women, which are not very yes. pleasant. Not nice. And yeah. as for the Brahmins, he supports kingship almost blindly. <laughs> he supports authority. Yeah. And, and uh, the Tempest, of course, I've taught it for many years. Uh, one of my favorite texts in Shakespeare, the post-colonial text in Shakespeare, as you say, as one of the interpreters from Italy said about the uh, book, Caliban is the bad native, the rebellious native. And when independence comes, he will be shot at dawn. Ariel is the good native and he will become mm -hmm. prime minister. So there, is <laughs> there is the contrast. And similarly, there are preferences of the times reflected in characterization. Uh, Urban I was very interested in how, you know, the kind of spirit of Tulsidas pervades the responses by both you and Philip. You are steeped in that spirit and therefore the kind of attitude that he adopted to many of the issues and how he was very much the uh, uh, man of his times and we are, we are people of our times is reflected in rendering an old text like that into a contemporary idiom in our own times. I do not know whether I've missed the uh, alert about how much time is left, but we shall carry on until we are stopped. Thank you for listening to Jaipur Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshtata. This podcast is produced by Launchora in association with Teamwork Arts. Please subscribe or follow to this show wherever you're listening to this.